Welcome to Two Marks and a Mic Podcast. I'm Phil. And I'm Joe. Today we're going to be talking about tag teams, their role in sports entertainment. A list of tag teams that we're going to talk about. Uh, some old, some newer. Well, not so much newer, but newer to the time frame that we keep in this podcast. One thing about tag teams is that I think they were had a different roles where they were to warm up matches, to warm up the crowd going into it. They were usually the first matches, but I liked it. I, I like tag team wrestling, and I think it brings more of a pivotal role than people give it credit for. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think that it's an unsung hero of wrestling. When you get certain teams, like some of the teams we'll touch on here, like one of them is the Rockers, for example. We're not going to go into their stuff yet, but but how they innovated double team moves and things of that nature. So I really think that it truly brought a different aspect. These are in no particular order. Not We're not ranking anybody here who's good, who's bad, whatever. Our first selection is the Legendary Heart Foundation, which was Brett the Hitman Heart and Jim the Anvil Nightheart. Probably one of my favorite tag teams ever. One of the earliest memories I have of them is after their, their heel turn, but they were their matches with uh, Brain Busters. I mean, they, they had awesome feuds and matches. Mm-hmm. I have some of their feuds listed here. Let's see. They were managed by Jimmy Hart. They debuted in 1985. Their finisher was called the Heart Attack, which is uh, Jim the Anvil Nightheart would hold one of the opponents up, and Brett would basically just do a running, jumping clothesline, mm-hmm. and that'd be the finisher. With They had rivalries as, when they were heels with the British Bulldogs, which was Davy Boy Smith, Dynamite Kid, and later on with Strike Force, which was Tito Santana and Rick Martel. And then he had some feuds as Baby Faces, which was with the Rougeaus, Demolition, the Honky Tonk Man, and Greg Valentine, and they had that god awful, unaired dark match. Uh, that was the only time the Rockers won the tag team titles but it got expunged they were two-time wwf tag team champions and they were inducted into the hall of fame in 2012 well and well deserved they fed well off each other i think brett was more technical in the ring obviously than anvil was but anvil on the mic man he brought the fire up absolutely i think that with anvil as gorilla monsoon said it best he did not have both oars in the water you know so he was a little off you yeah. know what i mean but he did i think he he played that role very well i just i think you said it perfectly that brett was the technical guy and jim was the enforcer he was the the, the anchor for the team and to piggyback off that much later down the road he played the same exact role when he was winning high energy with owen i you know and right that was when they first brought owen in there and he started so i i think yeah he's just an awesome tag team partner now let me ask you do you remember this one-off guy as a wrestler like his name was wrestler who no and i look at it, i'm like that's jim the Lightheart in a, in a, <laughs> in a mask i'm oh, like this funny. is fantastic that's funny that goes without saying the heart foundation is one of the better tag teams to ever exist and so. they were in an era in my personal opinion i think tag team wrestling was at the strongest late 80s into the 90s you know or the 80s into the 90s in general i think i think it kind of lost its fine art in the 2000s it's starting to come around again where they're starting to bring more tag teams back but man the heart foundation they were just in that golden era of tag teams in my opinion yeah i, I agree and uh, next we're going to jump to a more recent tag team in the hardy boys or the hardies them along with edge and christian and the dudleys they obviously they all innovated the, the tlc matches which goes without saying those yep. those stand on their own but um they had some really good feuds with obviously test albert edge and christian the dudleys and also los conquistadors, los conquistadors. aka edge, edge and christian which was fantastic by the <laughs> way and then you know uh their finishers was the twist of fate into the swanton bomb one thing i respect the most about the hardys is they like started from the bottom i mean they were the jobbers on superstars matt and jeff hardy they and were the, you know yeah and then and also, I think we talked about it in the King of the Ring episode, how you would they see... They were holding the... the yeah, well, they were... Uh, like, one of them was a, the door holder. Oh, yeah, that's right. And then one episode of something after King Mabel 
Uh, yep. You saw Jeff Hardy wincing as he was carrying Mabel down in his <laughs> yep. in his uh, throne thing, whatever you call that. But yeah, those those uh, TLC matches they were just unbelievable, and and they were so repetitive because they kept doing them a bunch, mm-hmm. and they would always put them in there, and they were always good. Yeah, you know? I think it was on the verge of getting stale. I agree. Going because, to the well once you made. Yeah, times. I mean when you're doing a TLC match on Raw, yeah, just for for you know there was no real prize behind it maybe. But I mean I guess if you didn't have TLCs, probably wouldn't have the money in the bank and stuff like that. They debuted in 1993 and then it lasted till 2002. Uh, they had Michael Hayes was one of their managers. And then you had Terry. And then, um, of course, with Team Extreme, you That's had That's so weird with Terry. The, yeah, some of their accomplishments was they had the, the WCW tag titles once, and they were the WWE slash F tag champions a total of six times. Not quite a record, but pretty close. Yeah, and the Hardys, I understand that, you know, for whatever third sheet reasons, they had to split up and go singles competitions, and that they're just so much, I like them so much better together. Yeah, no, I agree. They were much better. I enjoyed Jeff, Jeff's matches more because he did, he took more risks, more high flying. Like that Swanton off the Titantron onto Randy Orton. Yeah. Come on. Or, or his ladder match with Undertaker? That's exactly what I was going to bring up. And that yeah. was on a Raw, that was, wasn't yeah, it? It was, it was a, a championship Raw. match. That's probably the single most favorite singles Jeff Hardy match of mine. Yeah, my, it's, it's it's up there for me. It was so good. Because, I, I mean, there was a lot of tension in that match. Like, you, you thought he could almost get it, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. totally, totally. So, for a split second, you're like, wow, he's going to do it. Yeah, and then, of course, he didn't. But yeah. still, even though with Matt Hardy and all his, you know, stuff on the outside or whatever, you know, I still think he was a great wrestler, too. I think he had a, more of a mind for the business. Sure. I liked it when they feuded each other as well. Yeah. Because those guys work stiff as hell. And they've been doing it all yeah. their lives. All their lives, you know? especially with that Omega thing that they had. Mm-hmm. When they were kids, you know, with a oh, trampoline yeah. with garden hoses for ropes. <laughs> yeah. It's fantastic. Now we're going to step back a little bit with one of my favorite tag teams. If not, my favorite tag team is Road Warriors, uh, Hawk and Animal. They had their first match together in 1983. Oh, and they lasted up until, in some form, until 2014. That's a pretty good run. I mean, you know, yeah. Hawk. He, he departed us way too early in 2003. Mm-hmm. I love Legion of Doom, and I feel like there's so much more to Legion of Doom before they even came into WWE. But at the time, I was young, and, and they came in. It wasn't until I got older and was looking at their you know older stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, just man, they just brought a, a nice fresh look into WWF. Like you know when they at that time, where I'm not saying that tag team was kind of stale, but there was a lot of established tag teams at that point, starting singles careers like you know Brett, Shawn Michaels, so on and so forth. So when they brought LOD back, yeah, that was great. Yeah, it was. You can go back as far as the, um, I, I want to say the AWA mm-hmm. with LOD. I mean, they were all over the place. Uh, the huge US, in Japan. Huge in Japan. Their manager, of course, is the legendary Paul Ellering. Mm-hmm. Guy was brilliant. I mean, just hit him on the mic. Second to none as far as a manager's concerned. I think and maybe Bobby Heenan was better. Yeah. But because, I mean, Ellery, he had a, he had the psychology down because the dude is legit a genius. Their finisher was called the Doomsday Device, which is a fantastic name. Yeah. They had a good feud with Demolition, Money, Inc., Nation of Domination. I love their Money, Inc. feud. Yeah. Whatever. Was, that was really good. Yeah. Great SummerSlam match. And, one little side note, when they had the Goblin feud, when they had uh, Henry up in the Doomsday Device, it was on Raw, he hawk hit him with the clothesline, and that was and that's where they broke Henry's neck. Oh, really? You know, obviously an accident. Yeah. You know, but that's one of those moves that you can't can't predict how you're going to come yeah, off of. Yeah. You know, uh, SummerSlam ninety not ninety one, excuse me, is where they beat the the Nasty Boys uh, in, a, in a street fight. No, no DQ tag match for the title. And I thought that they had a good run. They had more in them, but like I said, Hawk had his demons. Yeah. And I think that that if you if you go back and you watch SummerSlam 1992, you could kind of see Hawk not knowing where he's at. 
And I, I went back because I remember you and I had, had that conversation before. I went back and watched it, and I didn't notice it offhand, and it actually went a little longer than I thought it would. And one, one more thing in there is to go back on Paul Ellering is I never realized how much of a player he was in the wrestling game because my first memory of him is him coming down with the dummy with LOD and he just rode motorcycles and carried around a dummy and he was there and I was like who's this guy with LOD um, but it wasn't so much later where he actually had just a vital role in all managers he was a, a genius when it came to the stock market oh no kidding he came back and made his appearance in the early 2000s with LOD and brought them back then he turned on him and was with the Disciples of Apocalypse a tragic end with Hawk dying but Animal was able to get some redemption next we're going to talk about Dudley Boy they made their debut in 1996 went all the way to 2010 which is a fair run. I guess they were done in 2018 completely. Finisher was obviously the Dudley Death Drop. They, it was usually just Devon and Bubba, but they also had Spike. Ironically enough, he was supposed to be the younger brother, but in all actuality, he's older than the other two. And then they had some really good, you know, feuds. DLC, DX, TNA. Um, they had they had that dumpster match. I guess it was a New Age Outlaws mm -hmm. at WrestleMania 2000 or yeah. SummerSlam 2000, excuse me. I feel one of the few ECW talents that transitioned very well into WWE where they were just like, welcome, this team's awesome and we're happy, you know, to have them where when they were kind of started doing the crossover and some of the invasion stuff at the time, people were kind of a little iffy with some of the talent coming out of there and how they would work in WWE, but they transitioned really well. Right, and that side note to that is they actually were done with ECW. They went to Vince and rest is history some of their achievements only tag team to hold wwe ecw nwa tag title wwe tag champions once wwf world tag champions eight times wcw tag champions once and they were inducted into the hall of fame in 2018 next we are going to discuss the steiner their background was more wcw that's where they made their name their only notable feud was with, with money inc we're not trying to demean these guys or they're considered one of the best tag teams to ever exist and i like them in wwf um like i, I like again I think they kind of came at that same time when LOD was coming back and when they kind of needed a fresh revamp of uh, tag teams. Their finisher was a bulldog off the top rope. Was it the Steiner recliner, I think it was No, called? no, Steiner recliner was, that was a uh, big Papa Pump's finisher. His <laughs> version of a uh, camel clutch. That's right. Yeah, I mean, you had the bulldog off the top rope and then you had the Frankensteiner. Mm -hmm. uh, next, we're going to discuss edge and christian i think that these guys have a better singles career versus tag team i just i like to throw them in the mix because of their involvement in the tlc their only real feuds was with the ministry of darkness the hardy boys um the new age outlaws they had when they did their um surfer dude gimmick like the five second pose was kind of yeah. cool and, uh, they did the, the los conquistadors which you know they kept using different people to, <laughs> to to do that but it was good television and that was during the attitude era so yeah, and anything pretty much flew. And then next, Demolition. Oh, yeah. You can't really talk about tag teams unless you talk about Demolition. Very strange dynamic with those guys, though, was, you know, they started off as just two guys. Well, they uh, then they eventually brought in a third. It was X, Smash, and Crush. There was actually two people by the name of Smash. Uh, Barry Darsal was a second Smash because I guess people were recognizing Smash number one as another wrestler by that uh, went by the name is Moondog Rex. They pulled him and put Barry as Smash. Now as time progressed, they brought in Crush because Axe was having some health issues and he so he kind of slid back into the maybe almost manager role after they got done with Mr. Fuji. They were doing what was called the Freebird rule, where if there's three people that are on a team, any two members of the team can be in the match. 
hatch. Yep. Where the third is on the outside. What are your thoughts on demolition? I love demolition. I, just like you, I mean, you know, it's one of my hands out one of my favorites. I might every time I think of demolition, my mind automatically goes back to when they beat Andre and Haku in WrestleMania six, and that's kind of when they made their baby face turn because oh no, that wasn't. That's when Andre ended up making his baby face turn because Heenan went after him. But you know, you just always remember seeing demolition. I remember with Mr. Fuji and, and they would play, you know, good heels, but I, I just love them. I, I just they were just they're up there with Heart Foundation as my favorites up there as well. Do you happen to remember the name of that Haku and Andre the Giant tag team? <sighs> yes and no. It's, no, tell me it. It's the Colossal Connection. Yeah, it's yeah. It's an awesome name. Yeah. So, but some of their feuds included Strike Force, which was uh, Rick Martel and Tito Santana, mm -hmm. British Bulldogs, Heart Foundation, uh, the Powers of Pain, which is the Warlord and Barbarian, mm -hmm. two huge guys. Basically, just those guys were just bouncers at Wrestle. And then yeah. you had the Twin Towers, which was Akeem and the Big the Boss. African man. Dream. Yeah. Now, the funny thing about Akeem, the African Dream, was he was a six foot eight, 400 pound white guy. <laughs> and he, yep. he, he came out in. AKA One Man Gang. AKA One Man Gang, yeah. But he also came out in uh, traditional African garb. Yeah. <laughs> So, okay. And then uh, they also had a really good feud with the Brain Busters. They said that their look was inspired by Mad Max with all the leather hockey masks. Uh, they were also inspired by Kiss. And they really had a really cool name for their finisher, which was called uh, the Demolition Decapitation, which is one of the guys would put the guy like on a backbreaker. Yeah, I think Axe. Axe would kind of lean him on their knee. Yeah, on a knee. And then the other guy would come off the top with an elbow. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, or it was, it was at least second turnbuckle for sure. Yeah, yeah. But, and then their accomplishments, they actually held that for the time period they had the longest tag title reign of 478 days which is unheard yeah. of you know i mean i know i think there's some teams today that have, that have come close to that if not surpassed it yeah and i also think too uh that was back in the day where there was only four pay-per-views a year so mm -hmm. you know that could have contributed to whatever i just always remember seeing them with the belts with the straps right it was either them or Hart foundation during that time on my tag team, Mount Rushmore, Demolition, mm -hmm. Legion of Doom, the Heart Foundation, and the Rockers for me. Oh, yeah, God, yeah. Definitely, definitely Demolition. Definitely Heart Foundation. Oh, man. It's just incredibly hard yeah. to, to pick Those a... Those two are uh, definitely on there. Yeah, it's just it's incredible. There's just been so many good tag teams. I mean, you know, you can say Brain Busters. You can say whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, just because of the whole Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson were just two greats on their own right. I, I just love the tag team division back then because you had some killer bees you had the rujos you had the heart you know i mean we always obviously we highlight heart foundation and demolition but during that time i mean the tag team division was awesome and they mm -hmm. were unified they had the same costumes or gear wrestling gear i should say right uh you know they they had their finishers they were like unified and it was just it's cool to see it was you know for example, now when you see tag teams, it's sometimes if, well, I can't say even now, but back in like the night, you know, late 90s, mid 2000s ish, you know, you get, they would just throw two people together. Mm. Like here recently, I was watching, they threw Rhino and Tajiri together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Then you got like <clears throat> Benoit and Edge. And, yeah. Benoit. Know. And it's just these random people. I mean, it still works. It's not guys like Hawk and Animal. It's all they've done for years. Mm. Or you get, like, just your tag teams that really mesh well together. And speaking of meshing well together, you get teams like the New Age Outlaws. I know that they debuted in, like, the 98, 99 era. And I know they joined DX and all that stuff. But they had a really good feud with Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie. That's what the dumpster awesome. incident. Yeah. Even though it was uh, filled with peanut packing. Yeah. And it fell a whopping four feet off. But, you know, whatever. It's it's kayfabe and it, it worked. And they and Terry Funk and Mick Foley, they sold the crap out of that thing. Of course. So those guys were, not only were they 
they good in the ring, but they were good on the mic too. When they stole LOD shoulder pads, that was fantastic yeah. television. Road Dog on the mic is almost second to none. He also had talent in the ring, but I think he really shined on the mic. Yeah, and I think too that it worked out of left field because they it seemed like once the smoking guns kind of split and and Billy was doing more single stuff, they were putting him randomly with with just a lot of people, just random people, and yeah. I, you know, and then Road Dog was coming off of being Jeff Jarrett's bodyguard and saying, "Come on, you know, yeah, the roadie, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And so to, when they put them together, I was like, okay, here's going to be just another random team. And man, they just took off. They with each other, they worked well with each other. Mike wise, they sold it. That picked up by DX, and the rest is history. Exactly. Yeah, they were WWE Tag Team Champions once, uh, WWF World Tag Team Champions five times, and they. They just were not just about three years ago now they were inducted into the hall of fame with dx well deserved well deserved actually and then uh they had um, a bunch of success in tna next on the list last but definitely not least the rockers what's to say about the rockers that hasn't already been said the rockers consisted of marty Janetti and the great Shawn michaels yeah and they would always I, I think 90% of any WWF programming back in the day, the Rockers were always the first match. You can always count on them, get everybody hyped up, even though they didn't have any tag team gold. But they were so just iconic back then in that tag team division where you just, you, you can just always rely on them to put on a good show. Yeah, so actually they got they got their start in AWA and then in Continental Wrestling. And they were brought in and to WWF back in the day to be tag team specialists. Like I said before earlier in this podcast, podcast if you go back and you watch the Shawn michaels doc the heartbreak and triumph you'll you'll hear sherry martell talking about how they would be in the dressing room and they'd be using action figures right and if they could do the moves of the action figures try to do it in the ring pretty yeah. smart you know what yeah. i mean Martin Gennetti kind of gets overshadowed by Shawn Michaels a lot. I think, you know, but he just didn't, with his demons or whatever it was outside of the of the ring, he wasn't able to conquer that like Shawn was. But I also feel, and this is not to be derogatory towards Marty, I feel that he had a lack of focus. Right. I think that he didn't see himself anything more than a tag team wrestler. I almost kind of think you can't really fully fault him for that. I think if you take a look at once the rocker split after the infamous uh, barbershop window incident, when they rebranded Shawn Michaels, like they rebranded Shawn Michaels, then they just had Marty Jannetty who just had a new wrestling gear, but he was still essentially, you know. He was still a rocker. He came out yeah. to the same music, all that yeah. stuff. And even his costume change wasn't even that much of a change. It yeah. was like turned it into like trunks and a shirt. Yeah. And he saw the streamers and all that stuff. Sean went to Vince. I'm going to do whatever it takes to be a big star in this business. Vince goes, Sean, you just did. That was it. You yeah. Know I mean? So, and I think that's where Vince is like, all right, this is somebody that I can pitch my wagon to and take off. And, mm. you know, and it worked famously. Like, you know, Sean was, was just tired of being in a tag team. He wanted, he wanted singles. So unfortunately, I mean, you know, them not being able to have tag team gold. They should have had tag gold. There's yeah. no reason why they shouldn't. I, and, and I completely agree with that. It was, and the one time that they did get it, it they got expunged. It doesn't count because of, because of a top, a ring rope breaking. Now is the video of that somewhere? Cause yeah, I've always they, heard about it, but I don't think it, I've ever seen it. And you can watch that heartbreak and triumph video of Sean's and it's, um, it's on there. I mean, it's, okay. it's not in great detail, but you can see, you know, you see him and Marty with the belts leaving, but you also see the rope broke. Yeah. I know that they kind of will rig the right. ring. Yep. So anyways, I think that's going to bring us home for this episode of two marks and a mic. I'm Phil and I'm Joe. We'll see you next time.